Welcome to our weekend podcast. If you have a Bible with you, I want to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6. This is what we read. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female, and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. I met my beautiful bride in the fall of 2007 at Mid-America Christian University. Um, We both have different memories of how we first met. Now, we share both memories, but we actually disagree about which one happened first. So for my wife, she thinks that we first met in our Foundations of Ministry class. Um, I remember she was eating nachos for lunch, and she was actually licking the nacho cheese off of the bottom of her to-go container. And I walked up to her, and I said, uh, man, you can sure put the food away. So my memory of when we first met is a little different. I remember seeing her for the first time in the lunchroom. I saw her eating lunch with some friends and decided to ask if she wanted to sit next to me in class. So both memories involve food, which is great because we're both foodies. In fact, we've actually planned vacations around food, uh, where we're going to stop and eat lunch or, or dinner. I remember that she played hard to get for the first couple of months, uh, but I eventually won her over. And we ended up dating for just under a year, and then we got married in the fall of 2008. Now, we were so blessed to have Faith's Grandpa George officiate our wedding. Um, Her grandpa was an incredible man. He faithfully served as the senior minister at Fairfax Christian Church uh, in Fairfax, Oklahoma, for 40 years. And he was married to his wife, Jan, for 58 years. I think that's incredible. Both George and Jan are heroes in our lives because of their example. Uh, George practiced what he preached. You know, he loved talking about his wife to other people, and he would often find ways to slip in a joke uh, about their marriage whenever he could. He would tell people that uh, they'd been married for 50 or 55 years, and uh, five of them were even good. (laughs) I think that's hilarious. You know, even in their old age, uh, they still knew how to have fun and how to enjoy their marriage. So in September, Faith and I will celebrate 13 years of marriage. Man, time has gone by so fast. And we like to joke that our marriage is almost a teenager. Now, if you know anything about teenagers, you know that the teenage years are some of the most awkward and challenging years in a person's life. So I don't know how that's going to translate over to marriage. But at the very least, we've been reminded that our marriage still needs intentional attention and intentional care if we're going to grow and thrive during this next season of life. In a lot of ways, our marriage needs more attention and care than ever before because our kids are getting older, responsibilities only seem to grow, and there's never a lack of potential distractions in our culture today. Looking back, there have been three things that have really helped us to stay intentional about strengthening our marriage over the years. I think back to before we got married. Uh, We were encouraged to go through premarital counseling. And friends, I would recommend this to every single dating couple because it gives you the right set of tools. And it really sets you up for success as you go into marriage. The first four years of our marriage, uh, I served on staff as the youth minister at Lakewood Christian Church in McAllister, Oklahoma. I really appreciate our senior minister and his wife, 
because they scheduled a marriage seminar every single year for the couples in the church. And this really helped to strengthen and encourage marriages in the church. That always encouraged us to keep our marriage a priority, especially when other things would start to creep in. Over the past several years, my wife and I have decided that we're going to spend at least one hour uh, together, uh, alone. This is guarded time uh, every single night if possible. So we put the kids to bed and uh, we'll watch a movie, uh, play a board game if, you know, if my wife strong arms me into it. Board games are not my favorite. Um, or we'll just talk. And, and that guarded time has been invaluable. Well, today I'm excited to begin a new message series called Love Does. Over the next several weeks, we're going to focus on encouraging and strengthening the marriages in our church. You could say that this series is an intentional focus on building our marriages by God's design. In this first message, I'm going to share some practical biblical principles that I believe will help you fight for a stronger marriage if you apply them in your life. I really like this quote about marriage from Erin Smalley, who serves on staff at Focus on the Family. She says that marriage is a lifelong adventure filled with triumphs and defeats, and all married couples will experience different seasons in married life. You know, I like this because we all know that it's true. This quote reminds me of the Apostle Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 28. He says, but those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. Now, I don't think it gets any clearer than that. Just like we all face trials and troubles in everyday life, um, we're told in God's word that we're going to face trials and troubles in our marriages as well. But even in the difficult seasons, God wants us to grow and learn how to fight for a stronger marriage. I love how the Old Testament book of Malachi addresses this topic. In Malachi chapter 2, verse 15, uh, we read these words. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. Now that's the New Living Translation of the Bible. Um, I love the NLT. I use it when I am doing my quiet time. I use it a lot on Sundays. Um, I don't always use the Message Translation because it's really just paraphrasing uh, the Bible. But the message translation for this verse, I think, does a really good job at paraphrasing this verse in a way that's easy to understand. This is what the message says God, not you, made marriage. His spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage. And what does he want from marriage? Children of God. That's what. So guard the spirit of marriage within you. Don't cheat on your spouse. You know, there's a lot of truth packed into this one verse. But I want to focus in on the word guard, the word guard. So this word uh, in the original language literally means to watch over in order to protect, to watch over in order to protect. You know, there's a consistent theme throughout God's word that reminds us that God wants us to be intentional about watching over our marriage. And we do that in order to protect it. So how can we watch over our marriage in order to protect it. Well, here are a few biblical principles that I believe will help you fight for a stronger marriage. If you're taking notes, number one is this. Value your marriage above all other human relationships. 
Friends, we tend to fight for, guard, and protect the things that we value. You know, if you value a car, you're going to keep that car clean, and you're going to keep it protected from the elements. If you value a hobby that you have, you're going to invest your time, your talent, and your treasure into that hobby. If you value a friendship, you're going to put the needs of that person above your own. You're going to spend time with that person. You're going to do things that, that help the relationship grow. If you're married or, or if you're thinking about marriage, God wants you to value your spouse and value your marriage above all other human relationships. And this is because marriage between a man and a woman is the only human relationship that was designed by God to reflect Christ's relationship with his bride, the church. Listen to the Apostle Paul's words in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. God's word tells us that marriage is a great mystery. But it's meant to be an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. I think this is an awesome picture of marriage. I mean, we don't hear marriage being talked about like this in our culture today. I believe it's the church's responsibility to share this kind of truth with the rest of the world. And to demonstrate it in the way that we build our marriages. You know, we fight for, we guard and protect what we value. So what do you love and value about your marriage? This is an important question. I think it's a question worth thinking about. It's worth talking about with your spouse. In fact, I want to encourage all of our married couples uh, to plan a date night around this question. You know, go out and eat or do something that you both enjoy and share what you love and value about your marriage. Maybe you value Just having fun together, taking trips, laughing with each other, raising kids together, celebrating special events. Maybe you love serving together or you love intimacy within your marriage. Maybe you love being married to your best friend or watching movies together. I mean, the list goes on and on. Your list of what you love and value about your marriage will be unique. I think it needs to be shared with your spouse as often as you can. Now, a quick word to all the men who are listening. Uh, This might be a little bit outside of your comfort zone, but that's okay. It's only going to help strengthen your marriage 
if you focus on this. So value your marriage above all other human relationships. The second principle is this. Decide that divorce is not in your vocabulary. The Old Testament prophets, uh, the Apostle Paul and Jesus, they all echoed the same truth, that what God has joined together, let no man separate. You know, marriage is so much more than a piece of paper. It's a covenant promise, a covenant relationship that's joined together by God. And God's design and plan for our marriages is that they would thrive and be a witness for Christ to the rest of the world. I always encourage couples to go through premarital counseling before they get married. And one of the things that we talk about in premarital counseling is how important it is to come up with a list of words that are off limits 100% of the time in your marriage. So I encourage couples to come up with a list together. Um, But I do give them a few words to help them get the list started. And at the very top of that list is the word divorce. You know, if you go into your marriage having decided that this word is not even in your vocabulary, then you're deciding to always fight for your marriage, regardless of the kind of trials and troubles that you might experience along the way. You know, the word decide comes from a root word that literally means to cut. So when we say decide that divorce is not in your vocabulary, and we're using that word decide intentionally, it's impossible for us to make a commitment to something, whether it's work, sports, hobbies, relationships, whatever it is. It's impossible for us to make a commitment to something without deciding to cut off other options that might compete against what's most important. So our attitude in marriage should be this, that I'm committed to doing whatever it takes to make this relationship work. I'm going to fight for my marriage. Friends, decide that divorce is not in your vocabulary. The third principle is this, uh, stay alert in your marriage. Stay alert in your marriage. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You know, Peter is addressing Christians. And this verse and the context around it reminds us that we have an enemy who is actually working against us. A growing Christian is one of the devil's greatest threats. But I would say that a growing godly marriage is an even greater threat. If God is at the center of your marriage and you're focusing on building your marriage by God's design, you can expect that the devil's going to be working overtime to try and destroy your marriage. God's word tells us that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Friends, we have to stay alert in our marriages. We have to be intentional about guarding our marriages against spiritual attacks from the enemy. I think one of the best ways to stay alert in your marriage is by giving your marriage a spiritual checkup. So with your spouse, talk about what kind of influences you're allowing into your home. You know, what movies are you watching? What TV shows are you watching? What kind of music are you listening to? You know, who are you spending the bulk of your time with? What are you spending your money on? And how is work affecting your marriage? When you're honest and when you give your marriage a spiritual checkup, the spiritual checkup that it needs, um, talk about how you're going to be intentional about removing the things that, that don't help your marriage. In fact, the things that might hurt your marriage. 
I know this can be really challenging, but with God's help and with the encouragement of other Christian couples around you, you can refocus and reprioritize your marriage. It's easy for couples to get so busy throughout the week that we forget to stay alert and to give the right kind of attention to our marriages. Proverbs 27 verse 23 says, Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. Husbands, love your wives in the same way that Christ loves his church. Take notice of your wife's needs and be willing to take the lead in giving your marriage the spiritual checkup that it needs. So stay alert in your marriage. Principle number four, regularly invest in your marriage. Regularly invest in your marriage. You know, strong marriages aren't built overnight and they're not built by each person giving 50%. Strong marriages are built when Christ is at the center and when each person decides that they're gonna give 100%. You know, it takes two. None of us can control what our spouse does or doesn't do, but we can control our own choices. And choosing to regularly invest in your marriage, that's one of the most important things that you can do to build a strong and healthy marriage. Think about your marriage like a bank account. If the account is going to grow, you have to make regular deposits, right? It's the same in our marriages. We have to regularly invest if our marriage is going to grow. There was a recent study that was done by a group of psychologists at UCLA that proved that marriages where both people were willing to make sacrifices for their marriage were significantly more likely to have lasting and happy marriages. Now, I don't think we need a study from UCLA to prove that this is true. I mean, we all already know that it's true. So a great question to ask is this, what have I done to invest in my marriage lately? What have I done to invest in my marriage lately? You know, for my wife and I, we've decided to do consistent things like an hour of guarded time together in the evenings. But I also have to think about more spontaneous ways that I can invest in my marriage. So think about what your spouse likes, what his or her hobbies are, or what brings them joy and rest, and try to invest in your marriage by doing those things for them. An important part of a godly marriage is learning to serve the other person. In John chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus said that there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You know, strong marriages, they don't happen overnight. They're built one brick at a time as we sacrifice for the sake of the other person. So look for opportunities to invest in your marriage daily. If we learn to value our marriages in the way that God wants us to, I think that this principle is going to become second nature. So regularly invest in your marriage. Principle number five, guard and protect your marriage. Guard and protect your marriage. Uh, this principle, I, I think, is similar to staying alert in your marriage, but it takes it a step further. You know, part of the oath of allegiance that has to be taken by all immigrants who are trying to become U.S. citizens uh, says that I will support and defend the Constitution and laws of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic. You've probably heard those words before, right? So the question is this, how are you guarding and protecting your marriage from things that could potentially be considered invaders. You know, maybe foreign invaders, like, you know, are there in-law issues or opposite-sex friendships that need to be addressed? Are there domestic 
threats like working too much, exhaustion every day when you get home, or maybe unresolved conflict at home. These things, all of these things can harm your marriage if we don't address them. Thousands of years ago, King Solomon warned his readers about the little foxes that ruin the vineyards. Uh, Listen to his words that are found in the Song of Songs. So Song of Songs chapter 2 verse 15 says, Catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the grapevines are blossoming. What a reminder for us today that it's usually the little things that we allow to creep into our marriage that end up causing the greatest damage. With that in mind, don't just sweep the little problems under the rug. Don't allow the sun to go down on your anger, as Ephesians 4.26 says. And don't allow bitterness and resentment to take root in your marriage. Address these things as soon as they come up. They might seem small at the time, but they can lead to greater problems if they're left alone. So guard and protect your marriage from all enemies, foreign and domestic. Principle number six. Take time to celebrate the wins. Take time to celebrate the wins. This one is so important. You know, try to celebrate all the good times and all the good things that you've experienced with your spouse. When you're going through hard times, I think it's easy to forget all the good things that that God has done. So celebrating the wins, this will help you stay focused on all that God has done in your marriage over the years and all that God is doing in the present. You know, if you've made it through some difficult seasons, um, celebrate the fact that you were able to get through that with God's help. If your kids are able to reach a goal and you were a part of that, you know, celebrate that milestone. If you're thriving in your marriage this season, celebrate the growth. I found that regardless of the season, you know, good or bad, there's always something to be grateful for. There's always something to celebrate. And we have to take time to celebrate the wins in our marriage. Number seven, this is the final one for today. Pursue a shared dream. Pursue a shared dream. The French poet Antoine de Saint-Exupéry described love like this. He said, love is not just looking at each other. It's looking outward together in the same direction. I really like that quote. You know, it echoes what we read in Scripture. God unites couples to do together what they could never do alone. Let me say that again. Let that sink in today. God unites couples to do together what they could never do alone. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 And we read these words just shortly after the creation account. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Pursuing a shared dream, looking outward together in the same direction, I think is essential to building a strong marriage. You know, this isn't limited to having common goals like buying a house, paying off school debt, having kids, or maybe saving up for a vacation. Uh, Those things are important, and you should do them together. Pursuing a shared dream means having a bigger vision that enables God to use your marriage for his purpose. So pray about what God is calling you to do as a couple. How can you serve together? How can you invest in the lives of others together? How can you leave a lasting legacy for Christ together? Find something that you're both passionate about, and then give yourselves to it. You know, for my wife and I, it's serving God through the local church. We, we love God and we love people. So we want to give our lives to reaching as many people as possible with the good news of Jesus. Your shared dream might be different from ours. 
So pray about what God would have you do together and then give yourselves to it. Now, I know that today's message is kind of like drinking water from a fire hydrant, but I hope that there's something here that'll encourage you in your marriage, that'll encourage you to fight for your marriage. I wanna encourage you to talk about these things with your spouse. Maybe the application for you today is to implement just one of these principles and then watch how God works in your marriage. Now, if you're not married, I wanna encourage you to pray for the marriages in our church. Pray that God would help us build strong marriages that point others to Christ, marriages that bring joy into our life and that make us more like Jesus. Pray for all the couples in the church who are still dating, that God would help them begin married life with a firm foundation when the time is right. So even if you're not married, if you're single or or divorced, you can be praying for the marriages in our church. You can be a part of this process. I'm so excited about this series. And friends, I'm looking forward to seeing how God will use these messages in the coming weeks.